Section 24 of The United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in November 2020. The World's Story, Volume 13, The United States. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 24. The Burning of the Philadelphia. 1804 by cyrus townsend brady the piratical people of the barbary states seized the vessels of all nations that did not pay them tribute and held officers and crews as slaves in a horrible servitude in 1803 the american frigate philadelphia when blockading the harbor of tripoli was captured by the pirates and refitted Decature, with the permission of Commodore Preble, set off in a little catch, the Intrepid, to destroy her. The Editor It had been arranged that the attack of the catch should be supported by the siren's boats, but delay occurring, Decature decided not to wait for them, remarking to his officers, The fewer the numbers, the greater the honour. It was still early evening, and with beating hearts the men on the brig watched the little ketch speed into the harbour toward the philadelphia the frigate lay swinging to the wind under the guns of the bashaw's castle and protected on every side by the powerful land batteries and forts mounting over one hundred and fifteen heavy guns beside numberless smaller pieces and manned by twenty-five thousand men on either side, reaching toward the entrance of the harbour, like the horns of a wide crescent, were arranged three smart cruisers, two large galleys and nineteen gunboats. The group of vessels resembled an open mouth, at the back of which was the Philadelphia. Into these jaws of death Decature boldly sent the intrepid. The breeze being still fresh, though dying, Drags composed of buckets, spare spars, and canvas were cast astern to diminish the speed of the vessel coming on too rapidly, as any attempt to take in sail would have been suspicious. As the hours of the evening wore away, the wind fell, and she crept slowly up the harbour. The evening was balmy and pleasant. The moon in that tropic land had flooded the heavens with mystic light, bathing the minarets and towers of the sleeping town upon the shores with silver splendour. Lights twinkled here and there in the white-walled city, and the Philadelphia herself was brilliantly illuminated by long rows of battle-lanterns, which sent beams of yellow lustre to mingle with the soft moonlight upon the sparkling water. The frigate's foremast had been cut away in the effort to get her off the reef, her topmasts were housed, and the lower yards lay athwart ship on the gunwales. The lower rigging was set up, and, as it was afterward learned, all her guns were shotted. A heavy crew, probably three hundred and fifty men, was on board. What must have been the sensations of the men in that little ketch as they glided along? To what were they going? Destruction? Victory? What would be the end of it? By Decature's orders, the men had concealed themselves by laying flat upon the decks, behind the bulwarks, rails, masts, bits, etc., 
and only a few of the seamen dressed like sicilian sailors with decature and the pilot aft to con the ship and an old battle-scarred veteran at the wheel were visible eighty-three men in a little ramshackle boat a cockle shell were going into a harbour defended by scientifically constructed and well-armed batteries to attempt to take a thirty-eight-gun frigate full manned and armed and surrounded by a fleet of small boats carrying fifty to sixty more guns all bearing upon the philadelphia herself in expectation of just such an attack the attack itself to be delivered in the bright moonlight and in the early evening about half after ten o'clock the very audacity of the conception strikes one with amazement and to its boldness is largely due the immunity the attackers enjoyed that anybody should attempt such a thing was absolutely incredible the thoughts of the young men doubtless went back to home and friends sweethearts and wives but with the determination of heroes they schooled their beating hearts nerved their resolution and stifled any sensations of trepidation which might naturally possess them as they approached the philadelphia decatur ordered the seamen at the wheel to head the ketch for the bows of the latter ship determining to lay his vessel athwart the hawse of the frigate and board from thence as they drew near the tripolitan hailed by decatur's direction the pilot answered that they were traders from malta who had lost their anchors in the recent storm and desired the privilege of riding by the philadelphia for the night that is attaching their boat to the frigate's cables until morning this not unusual request was granted as a matter of course and after assuring the watchful tripolitan that the brig in the offing about which he had made inquiry was an english schooner the transfer the siren's boat which was swinging astern was manned by the sailors upon the deck and a line carried forward to the port sheet cable at this moment a sudden shift of wind took the ketch back and she hung motionless directly in line with the frigate's battery and not forty yards away the position was one fraught with the greatest danger if they were discovered now they were lost the pilot however by decatur's orders amused the enemy with descriptions of the cargo and sea gossip in his lingua franca the common language of the mediterranean until the boat got away and the ketch feeling the breeze moved forward again the coolness and resource of their young commander had saved them the tripolitans with ready kindness soon to be ill-requited had sent a boat of their own with a cable leading from the port quarter of which they desired the ketch to lie with great presence of mind the americans intercepted the boat and took the cable back to the ketch themselves two lines were fastened together and then passed inboard where the men lying down on the deck grasped it in their hands without rising and lustily hauled away breasting the intrepid steadily in toward the frigate as the ketch gathered way she shot into the moonlight between the shadows cast by the masts of the philadelphia when the tripolitan commander at once discovered her anchors hanging over her bows in plain sight indignant at the deception which had been practised 
but still unsuspicious of the true character of the stranger he ordered the fasts immediately to be cut at the same moment some of his crew discovered the men upon the decks of the ketch the alarm was instantly given the cry americanos americanos rang out over the water the americans sprang to their feet and though the ketch at this time lay directly under the broadside of the philadelphia and could have been blown out of the water by her heavy guns disregarding their peril in their wild desire for action after their long restraint they gave such a pull upon the line that before it could be cut the ketch had sufficient way to strike the side of the philadelphia where eager hands at once made her fast not an order had been given nor a sound made decature now shouted the command borders away and sprang at the main chains midshipmen morris and laws who were beside him leaped forward at the same instant laws dashed in through a port but the pistols in his boarding belt caught between the gun and the port sill the foot of decature slipped and charles morris was the first man to stand upon the deck of the philadelphia a second after the other two men were with him and the rest of the crew poured in over the rail and with cutlasses or boarding pikes charged down upon the astonished tripolitans the weapons were cold steel the watchword philadelphia no firearms were used for preble's strict orders had been to carry all with the sword without cheers and with desperate energy the little band dashed at the masses of astonished and terrified men before them and the whistle of the cutlasses the ring of steel against steel the thud of the pike as it buried itself in some beating heart alone gave evidence for the fell purpose of the stern borders their attack was pressed home with such vigour that the americans could not be denied forming a line from bulwark to bulwark they cleared the deck after a short but fierce resistance in which upward of twenty tripolitans were killed those remaining on the upper deck jumped overboard where many of them were killed by anderson and his boat crew or were drowned others concealing themselves below to meet a worse fate later a similar scene was enacted on the gun deck by lawrence bainbridge mcdonough and others during and following the action above only the watchword in the darkness and excitement had prevented several of the americans from attacking each other in ten minutes the ship was captured not an american had been wounded so far decature would have given half his life to have brought her out and many naval officers have believed that he could have done so it would have been a matter of extreme difficulty in face of the dangers especially as there was not a yard crossed nor a sail bent and as he had received positive orders not to attempt it he had to obey the ketch had been filled with combustibles and they were immediately passed on board the crew had been divided into several different parties and each body of men under the direction of an officer had been carefully instructed just what was to be done with remarkable speed and order each group proceeded to its appointed station and speedily arranging the inflammable matter applied the torch so rapidly was this done that those charged with the duty of starting the fires below 
were almost cut off from escape by the flames and smoke from the conflagration above in less than thirty minutes the ship was on fire in every direction and the americans had regained the catch decature was the last man to leave the philadelphia the bowfast and the grapnels on the intrepid were hastily cut the sweeps manned and instant endeavour was made to get clear for some unaccountable reason however the ketch clung to the frigate broad sheets of flame came rushing out from the latter's ports and played over the deck of the intrepid the situation was serious it was the most critical moment of the enterprise all the powder on the intrepid in default of a magazine was stored upon the deck covered only by a tarpaulin over which the flames were roaring in another moment they would be blown up they retained their presence of mind however and soon discovered that the stern fast had not been cast off decature and others sprang upon the taffrail in the midst of the flames and as no axes were at hand hacked the line asunder with their swords the intrepid was clear after a few lusty strokes which carried them a little distance away the men stopped rowing and gave three hearty american cheers they waited until success was achieved and then in the midst of further danger gave tongue to their emotions a significant action at the same moment the startled tripolitans awoke to life the minutes of stupor with which they had witnessed the attack which they hardly comprehended gave place to energy the rolling of the drums upon the shore mingled with the wild shouts and cries of the excited soldiery lights appeared upon the parapets and immediately the roar of a heavy gun which sent a shell over the ketch broke the silence as if this had been a signal every battery and every vessel in the harbour awoke to action and commenced a furious cannonade solid shot shells canister and grape shrieked and screamed in the air about the devoted intrepid casting up beautiful jets d'eau upon the surface of the bay which the flames from the burning philadelphia rendered as light as day the americans having cheered to their hearts content bent to their oars and with such energy as they probably never had used before they speedily fled from the harbour the spectacle they were leaving was one of awe-inspiring magnificence the frigate from her long cruise in the tropic latitude was as dry as paper and burned like tinder the flames ran upon the lofty spars in lambent columns and clustered about the broad tops in rosy capitals of wavering and mysterious beauty as the fire spread the guns of her battery became heated and in sullen succession they poured forth their messengers of death upon the harbour and the affrighted town toward which the starboard broadside bore it was a death song and a last salute for as the eager watchers gazed in melancholy triumph upon the results of their own destructive handiwork she drifted ashore and with a frightful explosion which seemed to rend the heavens and surface the sky with fire she blew up a moment of silence supervened which was broken by the roar of the batteries resuming the cannonade strange to say the intrepid passed through the fusillade unharmed 
one man being slightly wounded and the grape-shot passing through a sail. The moon had set, and the eager watchers on the siren finally lost track of the vessel in the darkness. Their burning anxiety as to her fate was not relieved until a boat dashed alongside, and a manly figure, clad in a sailor's rough jacket and grimed with smoke, sprang on board, triumphantly announcing their safe arrival. It was Decatur. In 1815, Decatur succeeded in compelling the Dey to abandon his attacks on American vessels, to surrender his prisoners, and pay for all property destroyed. End of section 24